It is exciting. I get so excited as we are little by little with precautions and safety reopening and coming together as his church. So it's super exciting. Man, what is it today? The 24th? Whew. This year, like most years, have been flying by. We are almost done with the first month of 2021. That's incredible. Let me ask you, if you did a New Year's resolution, where are you at a month, a month into that resolution? You know, the facts are that 97% of people that start a resolution in the new year don't finish that month. I don't know where you're at. And you know, it's also proven fact that every year the resolutions are the same. The top five are always lose weight, get healthier, get better financially, travel, build better relationships. And yet we can't commit to a resolution for not even a month. I want to say that it's so hard for us to commit to a resolution longer than a month because change is difficult. We're used to the comfort of being who we are, even though we know that it's not right, even though there's something better, we want to be different, yet we can't. And if you notice, when it comes to resolutions, good resolutions, they're always about us. I want to get healthier. I want to get better financially. I want to have a better relationship. I want to travel more. Again, nothing wrong with that. But they're very self-centered. What if 2021 was not a year of just thinking about ourselves, but thinking about others? What if 2021 wasn't self-centered, but Christ-centered? What if 2021, we become different, and in our difference, we show everyone else who Jesus Christ is? That would be impacting. So what we're going to do today as we've been going through our series, we're going to see how, through God's word, shows us in a very practical manner how to be different. And more importantly, by us being different, how we can make a difference. So we're in our series called We Are Grace. We've been covering our vision here at Grace Bible Church. And I just want to recap again our mission, what we're all about, and then go over our vision. And here is our mission. And it's to lead our city into a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ and this church. That is our focus. Everything we do here at Grace Bible Church is for that ultimate reason, to bring others to Christ, to evangelize by being different, by inviting others to come to church, to, to watch on TV. And with that, they experience a life-changing relationship that you and I can't do. It only comes through Jesus Christ. And then when they come in the body of his church together, in unity, we grow. That is our mission. How do we accomplish that? It's our mission, and this is what our mission is. We exist to glorify God by living in relationship with him through Jesus Christ, our Lord. How? By growing in maturity in his word and in authentic and transparent relationship with his church and by reaching our community with the gospel. 
It's just a longer version of our mission. That is our vision, how to accomplish our mission. That's what we're talking about this series, We Are Grace. Today we're going to focus, like we did last week, on the relationship with his church. And last week we talked about us being authentic and unified. That is what glorifies God. And today we're going to look at how that unity can be accomplished in a very practical manner. How do we as a church glorify God? So if you got your Bibles with you, we're going to cover and go through Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 15. If you have it on your phone or you're at home, you can open up. But here, let me give you a little background on what we're going to read. The Apostle Paul is writing to the church, and what he's saying prior to these verses, he's saying, die to yourself. Do not be that person you used to be. Die to malice, to anger, to unforgiveness. Die. That person no longer exists because you now are in Jesus Christ. Those are the things you were. Don't rely on them. Move forward from them. And this is who you are now. So he opens up in Colossians chapter 3, verse 12. And this is what he says. Put on. Put on as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. Man. God's chosen ones. He chose you. He chose me. We're going to be talking about that in the next series. How you and I, or anyone who's a believer in Christ, had nothing to do with us coming to Christ. It was him choosing you and me, even before the foundations. We were chosen. We were loved. We were holy. We were set apart. See, we all want to change in our lives. That way we have resolutions. We want to better ourselves. If we truly believe in our hearts that we are chosen, holy, and beloved, then that's a transformation in itself. And he uses this word, put on. And he's going to use this analogy of putting on some clothes. And this intention of putting on, it's intentional. It's a choice. You had a choice to put on clothes this morning, and I'm glad you did. Trust me. I don't know how you're watching at home, but at least you chose to put on clothes. And that's what Paul is saying. Choose to put on a new wardrobe that's been given by God. You're holy, you're chosen, you're beloved. And so what does that look like? You cannot put on new clothes when you're wearing old clothes. So that's why Paul talks before opening into this verse saying, remove your old self. Take off that dirty, rugged, old clothing that you used to wear. Take off those hidden habits and now put on this beautiful selected wardrobe that God has given you. A lot of us are dragging our old clothes with us. We walk around dirty, guilt Remember how we opened up, you are chosen. You are no longer the person you used to be. I love the way Paul puts it in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. This is a very familiar verse. I love it. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Once you put your trust in Jesus Christ, you are born again, the Bible says. Your old is dead. 
The way you used to be is no longer. Why? Because now the Holy Spirit dwells in you and you are a new creation in Christ Jesus. When you trust that Jesus Christ came, lived a perfect life, and he died a horrific death to pay the punishment for your sins and my sins, when we trust in that with our hearts and we believe that he rose again on the third day, at that moment, you are a new creation. Behold that old is dead. He's gone. You're alive. You're a child of God. A sinner, but a forgiven sinner. That's what Paul is saying. Remember who you are. Remember what wardrobe you need to put on. So he goes on and he's going to describe seven items of clothing, seven things that we should put on, seven attributes. Verse 12 says this, Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. Here's the first one. Compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against, against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. One of the things I do when I do my inductive Bible study is I number things when I see things being numbered. And that's why I think for me, and I hope for you, it makes it a little clearer. These are the seven things that Paul is saying for us to put on, and he lists them. So what I want to do is go over what those things mean and tell you what they really mean in the original language. So maybe it brings a different, not only meaning, but an application to our lives. What we are to put on every morning as we walk out those doors. So he mentions the first thing is compassion. Put on compassion, which means have mercy, have sympathy. But here's the deal. It's compassion with action. Have sympathy for someone, but do something about it. We see that in the gospel. Jesus did this all the time. Matthew 20, Jesus does this. Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes. Immediately they received their sight and followed him. Jesus didn't say, oh, man, you're blind. I'm sorry for you. I'm going to pray, okay? No. He touched his eyes and immediately they saw or he saw. That's what compassion means. How many of us, especially in the season that we're in now, receive prayer requests, pray for me, and we don't even do that? Let's be honest. Yeah, praying for you, brother. Why not stop at that moment, put your phone down, and pray for whatever request our family is requesting from you through prayer? That is having compassion, feeling for them, but doing something about it. Compassion is driving down the road and you see someone with a flat tire. It's compassion is you stop and you go help them. There's a difference with feeling sorry for them. When you're driving down the road, you say, oh, man, poor guy, poor girl, and you move on. You get the difference? And Paul is saying, put that on. Be compassionate. Don't only just say in your head, I feel sorry for them. Do something about it. There's action behind the feeling. He mentions put on kindness. It means to provide something beneficial to someone. Again, there's action because we're putting him on. There's action behind these attributes. Do something beneficial to someone. Do something kind for someone. Paul says this in Acts chapter 20, verses 34 through 35. You yourselves know that these hands minister to my necessities. Paul, as you read in, 
in the Bible. He had a lot of struggles, and his church came alongside and helped them, showed him kindness. And to those who were with me, in all things I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak. It takes a family. It takes a church, not just an individual. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Yeah, we hear those words, right? It is more blessed to give than to receive. But how many of us, we talked about authenticity last week, are actually doing it? We are the richest nation in the world, but yet we are the greediest. We have a nation, quote unquote, that has everything, but yet we are the unhappiest. We are the most blessed but we are so unthankful. Being kind means you do something about it. You give to others what you have. Not your leftovers, but what you have. I'm not going to talk about tithing. Some of you are starting to say, uh-oh, he's going there. I'm not. Even though biblically we're called to do that. All I'm asking, because God is asking you and me, is to be generous. Just be generous. Pick a ministry. There's so many all over Laredo, all over this world that you can be generous. In this season of so many people suffering, can't you just be kind and help? It's an action. I love one of my favorite shows that my wife and I watch. It's called Undercover Boss. I don't know if you guys are familiar with it. These CEOs of companies, large and small, are very successful, and they go undercover, and they live a day or a week with their employees, and they get to know them, and they understand their suffering, and they realize, man, how much the owner, the CEO has. And at the end of the show, they bring them together, and the, the owner reveals himself, and he blesses them with kindness. He pays for their mortgage. He pays for a child's education. He gives them something Man, and I'm tearing like a baby. I'm a big crybaby to begin with. But man, it, it just touches me. Doesn't it touch you when you see an act of kindness? Let's be that act of kindness. Because people are watching. And being compassionate, being kind, not out of obligation, but out of love for the one who was the most compassionate and kind. When we do that, serve him. We glorify God. So he says, put on humility. Then he goes on and says, oh, I need to mention this verse. I completely forgot about it. Talk about being humble. I mean, put on humility. This is what it is. Philippians chapter 2 on humility. Paul says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Humility. Is this a tough one? This is the one, and I'll be honest, that I struggle with. I think all of us do. What is the opposite of being humble? It's pride. And we are such a prideful people. All through God's word, he says that God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. It's us being humble, putting others' needs before ours. We read in Matthew 18 
the apostles come to Jesus and say, Jesus, who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom? I want to be there. Me, 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 right? Like we, we want to be number one, numero uno, me, 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 me. And what does Jesus say? He stops and he points at the children. Now, back then, the children were the least of the least in the tadpole of success. And he says, unless you humble yourselves like these little ones, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. Unless you humble yourself before him, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. We need to humble ourselves. But we struggle with pride, and that is the root, I believe, of all sin that's why sin has an I in it. I, me, proud, me, I want to get to the top. And there's nothing wrong with that. Hear me. There's nothing wrong with being successful. There's something wrong when you push others down, when you don't count others before yourself. That's not being humble. That's being prideful. I'm going to share something with you. Please don't take this in the wrong way. I don't like being called senior pastor. I don't. This title for me, come on. Yet I know others, I'm the senior pastor, I'm the reverend, I'm the bishop. All these things puff me up, pride, pride, pride. When I go serve in our community, because I come alongside our family, people are surprised. When we gather for prayer at the end, one of the guys that we're serving will say, will you tell your senior pastor thank you? And then they point at me, and the guy's like, what? You're the senior pastor? Besides of how crazy and dumb I act, Right? They're surprised that a senior pastor can step out of his pedestal and come and serve the community. I am a person just like you. We're all so messed up. None of us are worthy of being chosen. This title is just a title. Jesus Christ is the head of this church, and all of us are serving him in a humbly manner. But we have that mentality of me being first, just like the apostles back then. I used to be a business owner and travel all the time to Mexico. Talk about being prideful. We used to go and have the appointments with a manager, and they'd always have these, all these titles before their name. Ah, el ingeniero, licenciado, arquitecto, presidente. Whoa! We come out with a business card this big. Because we're so dependent on who we are. We're so prideful. Look at me. You know, I love the way David Jeremiah puts it. He talks about an organizational chart, and you guys are familiar with them. Will you put that up on the slide? It's an organizational chart. And here it is. You guys are familiar. You got the top, right? And then you got the hierarchy of it comes down. At the bottom is where you have most of the employees. If you're a warehouse owner and we're in distribution, that, those will be your forklift drivers, the majority of them, right? And as you go up the, the scale, the ladder, there's only one CEO. And we are all prideful. Look how many people are serving me. Look. The more, the merrier. You know what David Jeremiah says? Flip that around. This is what we should look like. We should be at the bottom and saying, look how many people I'm serving. That's the way I am as a leader. And I've shared this with my staff. I'm serving you. See, because the ultimate person that should have been prideful was not. The king of kings came down and he says, I came not to be served. I came to serve. And when you and I see him face to face, he's not going to say, how many people were serving you? He's going to ask you, how many people were you serving in humility? How many people were you putting in front of your own needs? That's what glorifies God. That's what we should put on every day, the sense of humility, saying that we're not worthy. He goes on, and I'll go a little quicker through these. Put on meekness. 
And pretty much it says, don't be harsh in the way you act or speak. Put on meekness. Wow, look around our, our nation now, huh? The post on Facebook, I never post anything on Facebook, but I see just harshness. All these things, I'm right, I'm right, no, I'm right. Pride, pride, pride. Talk nice to one another. Titus writes this in chapter 3, verses 1 through 2. Remind them, talking to the church, to be submissive. Oh, check this out. To rulers and authorities. Can we stop there for just a second? How different would our nation be, not these past years or these forth upcoming years, if we would just listen to be submissive to our rulers and authorities and instead of being harsh to them and saying how horrible job they're doing, stop and pray as we're called to do, to pray for our authorities, to soften their hearts, to be led by God, not by their own selfish ambition. But let's stop being disunited and be an example of a church that's united by submitting and praying for our authorities. I never talk about this, but I'm tired as I suppose you are too. Pray. Instead of being harsh, pray. Because the one that's in control is not the president, it's God above who selected that person to be in control. Pray for that. He says to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, and to show perfect courtesy toward how many people? All people. Love your enemies, Jesus says. Don't be harsh. Don't talk bad about people. He goes on and says, put on patience. And here's being, being emotionally calm in the face of provocation. When someone is in your face, you remain calm. When someone wants to be harsh to you, you be calm. When someone wants to aggravate you, you have patience. When you see a post in Facebook, restrain yourself and pray for them. Jesus, when he was fronting Pilate, he, Pilate tells Jesus, defend yourself. Say something. And what did Jesus do? He was patient. And he didn't say a word. That's what being patient looks like. He goes on. And he says, bear with one another. Put up with each other. We're a bunch of sinners coming together. Of course, there's going to be problems. Of course, we're going to have to act in patience. And then last, but definitely not least, put on forgiveness. And let me read that verse again. Verse 13. It says, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. It's not a choice. It's not a choice. See, he forgave the debt for you and for me, a debt that we can never pay. That's called the sin, the sin debt, a great debt. And it took a lot for him to do a huge sacrifice to forgive you and me. How can we not forgive? You must forgive. He goes on in verse 14. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. This wardrobe that we just saw, this new clothing that God has given us, is woven together by one thing, and that is love. Love is the only thing really that will unite us. Love covers a multitude of sins. Let's put on love. Let's put on these things and we see how we would be different. How we glorify the God in unity. Verse 15. I love this promise. 
when we do this, he says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, the unity, and be thankful. At the end, he just says, oh, by the way, be thankful. But let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. What's ruling your heart today? What sin, what attribute of these are you not putting into play? Are you not putting on? Is anger ruling your heart? Is pride ruling your heart? Are you not compassionate? Have you someone in your life that you cannot forgive? Is that ruling your heart because it's tearing you apart? Don't you want to have that peace? I know you do. That's what we all want, especially in a season like this of, of fear and anxiety. You want that peace? Put on these attributes. It's a choice. A choice for you and me, not easy. A resolution isn't easy. It takes sacrifice. But if you want to see a change, you need to make a choice to be different, to live different. I want 2021 for all of us to have the same resolution. And here's what I want the Grace Family's resolution to be, not only for a month, but as long as you're on this earth. And here's my point in resolution. We must show the difference that makes us different. We need to show. We need to put on the difference. Unfortunately, the church is no different than the unchurched. This unity, we're not putting on these seven characteristics. When you do, when I do, put on that and, and humble ourselves and have sympathy. We forgive and we love one another. It'll make us different and people will see the difference. And when we do that, we glorify God. Church, pick one. Whatever's ruling your heart this moment, today, this season, pick one. What is it? And ask God to start changing that in you, step by step. Let's make a difference. Let's be a family that truly glorifies God. And this is what it's going to take. It's being less of you and more of him. But if that's what it is, so be it. Let's pray. Father. We thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. As we just read your word, these attributes of being different, of being unified, of glorifying you, Father, it's something that your son didn't go through. He lived all these perfectly. He sympathizes with us, as your word says. He knows the difficulty of it. But ultimately, he surrendered himself completely, completely to glorify you. Let us be that church that surrenders ourselves completely. That we see a difference in us. But more importantly, they see the reflection of your son, Jesus Christ. Others that don't know him will see that in us. Grace Bible Church is your church. And we only humbly serve you. We pray all these things in your son's name. Amen. I love you guys. Have a great week.